We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome into the Guilty as Charged podcast, back for another analytics with Arjun, heading into a very exciting Sunday night football matchup with Chargers <laughs> and Dolphins, flexed into prime time. We're here to break it all down, uh, but first, Arjun, how are you doing today? Yeah, uh, doing okay. I, I think I'm with you that I'm not too happy about this game being flexed into prime time, uh, especially being on the East Coast, and I feel like this game... Um, if it, if it gets out of hand pretty quickly, it's just not going to be fun to watch. The Twitter is just going to be probably the most toxic thing, uh, in the, in planet earth. So, um, excited for the game in general, but if it gets out of hand, I just, it might be a turn it off at halftime and, and just hit the hay. Yeah. Hope, hoping for the best, hoping for a Chargers win, obviously, uh, and hoping it's certainly, a not turn the bed, uh, turn the game off at halftime. Um, like this, maybe some of these Chargers games earlier this season with how ugly they've been, should have been. Um, but at some point, uh, yeah, they got to get a win somewhere and maybe they decide to turn their season around here. So I was playing with the New York times upshot, uh, playoff predictor today because I hate myself and, uh, the Chargers, if they were to win the next two games, have a 66% chance to make the playoffs. If they lose the next two games, uh, it is a under 1% chance to make the playoffs. They'd basically be eliminated. And if they were to win one of the next two games, uh, then they would be around 25 to 27% uh, per the estimates. So Arjun, uh, what does the data say about the Chargers playoff chances um, at this point? Yeah, I 
it's not looking very good. I'm, I'm sure everyone kind of knows that. Um, I guess, thankfully, the Jets play the Bills this week. So even if we do lose versus the Dolphins, there is a hope. There is a chance because the Jets are nine-point underdogs um, this week, I believe, in Buffalo. So, you know, the, it's not completely over, but it's not looking too promising. And then you add on to the fact that Derwin is – might be out for this game. Callahan might be out for this game. We don't, I don't know what the status is with Lindsley. Like it, it's just like the, the team is feels like it's falling apart down the stretch. Even if guys like Mike Williams are coming back, like it, it's just a, it's just a tough kind of period for the chargers to be in and kind of have two must win games against two playoff teams. Yeah. So you mentioned the injury report. Let's get into that now. Uh, Bryce Callahan and Derwin James, like you said, were DNPs today in practice. Bryce with a groin injury, Derwin James with a quad. Um, aside from that, Corey Lindsley and Mike Williams were full participants in practice. Corey Lindsley, though, has to clear concussion protocol. Unclear, though, if that has happened yet. So we'll kind of wait and see on that one. And then the did not practices that we probably are expecting not to play, you know, in terms of like have any chance to play on Sunday are uh, Sebastian Joseph Day, Trey Pipkins. uh, And then, yeah, I mean, those are the two that I would expect to be out at this point, regardless of the situation. Um, But certainly Corey Lindsley and Mike Williams trending positive Derwin and Michael uh, Derwin and uh, Bryce Callahan, I should say, are up in the air. Uh, I think we'll learn a lot about yeah. their status Friday. If they can log a limited practice on Friday, I'd feel pretty good about them playing Sunday. But if they don't, uh, then I would not be, uh, I would not expect them to play at that point if they have three straight uh, DNPs heading into Sunday night. Um, I, I guess, yeah, obviously Derwin on paper is is the most crucial injury there if he really is out for this game. But I guess, you know, you know, if you try to make a priority here, who really like has to play Sunday for the Chargers to win? To me, it's uh, Corey Lindsley. Um, as I'll kind of show in, in some of the stuff I'll um, eventually get to, like the Chargers pass protection just sucks when he's gone. We I brought it up on last week's show with Steven, kind of talking about some of the splits with and without Corey Lindsley in the Chargers lineup, how the Chargers EPA per play drops drastically, how the Chargers uh, rate of quick pressure, which is pressure within the first 2.5 seconds of the snap, increases by 12%. And that was prior to last week. And I'm sure that's going to be up at least like 15% now. Um, so with how much the Dolphins splits, with with all of the exotic fronts that Josh Boyer likes to, likes to show, having Corey Lindsley in, you know, being able to call out the protections so that Justin Herbert or Will Clapp don't have to is is major. And I think even more than Mike Williams or Derwin James, um, he's the key to, you know, the, the Chargers kind of being competitive in this game because we know the Dolphins are going to put up points regardless if Derwin's playing. If Derwin's out, I mean, Dolphins are like, if even if Derwin's playing, Dolphins are going to still put up points. Like, the Chargers have not been able to stop anyone recently with Derwin James. So him being out obviously moves the needle, but it's not moving the needle like Corey Lindsley does, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, I think the on-off with Corey Lindsley is, as Arjun will get to, um, you know, in a minute here, when we kind of get into the analytics. It, it's, it's crazy stuff. Um, having Will Clapp in there just has been, you know, really bad. And, you know, that's not necessarily on Will Clapp anytime you lose an all-pro caliber center. 
it just yeah. makes things so much harder for the you know offensive line. And then you go into specifically last week, Zion Johnson coming in and out of the game, Brendan Hymas coming in, oh, um, and you know you go through some of the other rearrangements. Jamari Salier has obviously been there since Rashawn Slater has gotten hurt. Um, and so it's just been up and down, you know, Foster Sarrell, of course, starting, um, you know, so it's been up and down all year and you kind of wish that it was the optimal offensive line, but, you know, Corey Lindsley, in terms of the pieces the Chargers have left that are the most healthy, they might be Corey Lindsley, definitely the biggest one to look for, uh, on the offensive line Sunday. Um, I, I guess I want to start this conversation off with Tua. Uh, because uh, the 2020 draft class will never stop being talked about as the 2020 draft class. Uh, and Bill Barnwell did put out an article today in which Justin Herbert got drafted last uh, in a redraft. So I, I do want to talk about Tua this year because I feel like everyone changes their opinions every week on the 2020 draft class and, and which ones, uh, you know, between Burrow, Herbert, uh, Tua, yeah. and Hertz, uh, you know, who's kind of the number one quarterback in that class and who's the bottom. And it changes every week depending on who, uh, shits the bed and who has the great performance but what have been your thoughts uh, on Tua this year uh, as as I think all of us were sort of non-Tua believers to start the season has Tua yeah. sort of like changed your mind have you been converted to the mindset of Tua non uh, or are you still a little bit hesitant yeah I mean I would say I was lower than Tua than most people like a large majority of the public like on my own like NFL general podcast, like I was saying before the season, I'd rather have Justin Fields over Tua, which that might not end up actually like being that bad of a take. But the thing with Tua is I think he's in such a good situation. Um, we've talked about how he has probably the most dynamic receiver duo in the league. I would say at this point, a top five offensive play caller who not only understands the game from a schematic perspective, does a lot of things analytically correct, a high pass rate on first and 10, high pass rate on early downs, goes for it on fourth downs. Like he, he's constantly putting Tua in good situations. And I mean, I, I'm not going to overreact too much to the Niners game because the Niners defense was literally the, the perfect opponent for the Dolphins offense. But like, I don't know. Like, I still don't know what Tua is. He's any, I think he's anywhere from the 10th or maybe the ninth at best quarterback to the 15th best quarterback in the league. He does a lot of things well in structure. He's, he's pretty good in the pocket. He's very accurate. I've always given him credit on that, but I don't like how to, it's tough to just evaluate him given the, his surroundings and, and regarding the Bill Barnwell piece, you know, I would love to have a conversation with Bill Barnwell. And if I, if I asked Bill Barnwell, if you stuck to a hurt to a, or Jalen Hurts in the Chargers offense, how much worse does it get? And I would say a significant margin. And I think that's the thing people aren't realizing. Justin Herbert is the offense. Like I think Barnwell even said, we've seen Tua and Hurts kind of elevate their play with this new offense, but Justin Herbert is the offense. And it, it, this whole Chargers offense is about timing and Justin Herbert literally being perfect on every throw because no receivers are getting open. He's getting pressured very quickly, very often. And so, I mean, the the only way you can really answer the 2020 draft quarterback question is if you stuck every other quarterback in the Chargers situation, how much worse would the Chargers get? Or if you really feel that high, or if you have that high of a conviction about another quarterback, how much better would the Chargers be without Herbert? 
Yeah, um, I, I think that's a very fair way to view it. I, I feel like at this point it's just gone power rankings, and it's just like, yeah. oh, well, Herbert had the most recent bad game out of that group, if you want to say, but Tua wasn't much better against the Niners. Um, so, you know, it, it it does feel like it's just kind of, you know, at the beginning of the season, the takes would have been different. And considering the Charger situation and and what, what the Dolphins, Bengals, and Eagles situations have been, adding A.J. Brown into the fold, adding Tyreek Hill into the fold, you know, Burrow having Jamar Chase versus what Justin Herbert has been dealing with all the season, not having Keenan yeah. Allen and Mike Williams together for most of the year. Um, and, you know, usually his wide receivers are DeAndre Carter and a fan from the stands. Like, <laughs> that is kind of what this season, unfortunately, has been for Justin Herbert. Um, I, I still am taking Justin Herbert first in a redraft. I think the takes have gotten a little crazy. Curious how you would order the four if you had to. Yeah, I I would go Herbert Burrow, uh, Hertz, and then Tua. Um, honestly, I think three and four to me, like you can switch them. I think Herbert and Burrow are kind of equals right now. Like I've given Burrow's props. Like he's been playing very well. I still think he would perform worse in this Chargers offense because his margin for error is so much smaller than Herbert's with his arm talent. And he definitely wouldn't be able to fit some of the balls that Herbert's been able to fit into these tight windows. But um, yeah, Herbert Burrow hurts and then Tua. And I think, I don't know. I, I feel like that's really the only way you can really rank them and maybe switch Herbert and Burrow, if anything. Yeah, no, I, I think that's fair. Um, I'm, you know, I, I guess if Hertz were to win MVP this year, that would change some people's minds. Um, but you know, that kind of gets into a whole another conversation about the team structure around them and that stuff. Uh, you know, I, I think that I would go with the same order, maybe just putting to it for at this point because I think his health, um, you know, so yeah. far in the league and in college has been the most questionable of the three. Um, so, you know, if you're kind of like starting a franchise with one of them, there's, uh, but I, I think that's about the right order uh, and everyone can kind of slightly different variations on it. Um, all right, let's get into the game. Uh, I'm curious if you, we did talk about the, none of the chargers receivers being able to separate. Um, and you know, a lot of that to Keenan out, especially because he talked trash prior to the Raiders game, uh, and then was not able to separate well in that one. Curious just what the numbers have been on Keenan Allen this year. If you have any figures on that, um, you know, parts per route run, if you want to get that stuff, uh, and sort of what needs to happen this game for Keenan to have a better game. Yeah, so um, I think I have, I think I have this up. No, I don't. Um, yeah, so I was looking at this the other day. Um, it's, it's not going to be on my screen right now, but um, I, I can just leave the screen up on here. But Keenan Allen um, this year, his rate of being charted as open versus single man coverage is around 30%. And then last year's 54%. The year before was like 51. Like he, he just hasn't been able to get open versus man coverage. And people, again, I, I've have been the bearer of bad takes before my Austin Eckler take hasn't really aged that well. But I'm not the only one saying Keenan Allen does not look the same. And his inability to separate versus man coverage is a huge problem because that's what we're paying him to do. If he can't get open on late downs, he's not explosive. He doesn't provide any yak value. Like, I don't, it's it's Herbert propping him up to make his stats look good. It's not Keenan Allen making his stats look good. So 
the single man stuff is kind of how I would use, you know, uh, PFF stats to kind of evaluate Keenan. Um, obviously, uh, the public doesn't have access to that. So I'm kind of like fortunate that I'm able to provide some of that for you guys. But yeah, Keenan just hasn't been able to separate and he was, you know, below average um, against Amik Robertson, Rockison, and Nate Hobbs in the Raiders game. Yeah, and, you know, we'll, I'll be curious to see what the Dolphins do against him. Obviously, having Xavier Howard, you have Kahoo kind of in the slot, potentially covering uh, Keenan Allen for some portions uh, in this yeah. Dolphins uh, Chargers matchup. But, yeah, I mean, obviously, Keenan Allen is still coming back from, you know, this hamstring injury that he's been dealing with all year. Uh, and, you know, judging him off of one or two clips from the Raiders game probably isn't entirely fair, but he's he's been yeah. a step slower, I would say, all season. And yeah, the fourth had not 12 uh, passed into the touchdown was there and he found a way to get that one. Um, but even going back to last year, I, I think this is where maybe the conversation starts is like, you know, 538 uh, back a couple of years ago in terms of yards per outrun and all these separation metrics, you know, in 2018, 2019, 2020. The top two guys were Keenan Allen and Devontae Adams seemingly every year um, yeah. in terms of what they were able to do as route runners, as technicians and separators. And simply put, Keenan Allen just hasn't been in that class now, um, I think, for about a year or two. And, you know, you look at what he was towards the end of last year. I believe he fell to around the 30s uh, in terms of his ranking amongst wide receivers in yards per route run. By the end of this year, I don't even know if I'll have enough data considering, you know, the amount of games he's played. But I would imagine mm -hmm. he's much lower uh, in terms of that this season amongst wide receivers. So, yeah, I mean, and, and you kind of put it best, right? If Keenan Allen is not able to be a separator, he doesn't have that, you know, and this is not a slight on Keenan Allen. It's just like he doesn't have that elite athleticism that, yeah. that Devontae Adams has. He doesn't have, you know, this the speed that a Tyree Kill has. Um, or is kind of the prototype that a Devontae Adams is, right? So if you take that separation ability away from him, uh, the options in terms of him being like a top 10 receiver sort of start to become a lot more limited in terms of his ways to be able to produce at that level. Um, I guess we are getting Mike Williams back this game. Just what are your thoughts on what the Chargers offense should do in this game to attack this Dolphins defense in general, assuming that, you have Austin Eckler, you have Keenan Allen, and, you know, most likely Mike Williams and, and Gerald Everett as well. Yeah, so, I mean, we can kind of start getting into, like, the, the data stuff for this matchup. Um, so on the screen, you can, you know, if, if you're on YouTube, you can see um, we're looking at the Dolphins, how uh, we're looking at the Dolphins' defensive formations, uh, how often they use them, which is the where I'm highlighting right now, and then their efficiency while using those formations uh, per EPA per play stands for expected points added. So the Dolphins most use defensive formation 344. So that's their base package. Run it about 33% of the time. They also mix in um, their nickel package about 39% of the time. So this is a 335 look or a 245 look. And then they do like to run dime about 9% of the time. And they're actually very, very effective running dime out of their 146 formation. Um, which is interesting, um, you know, usually run dime in ex like truly expected pass situations, which you can see here, like when uh, when they run dime, teams are passing 99% of the time. So that kind of gives you an indication of like maybe why they're so good. But they've they've really struggled when using their 245 uh, defensive formation. I don't you know really know why, because they, they still have the same five uh, 
uh, same five defensive backs on when they're running two four five versus three three five. Maybe they don't they aren't able to generate as good of a pass rush out of their two four five package. Um, but this kind of leads me into my second point, which is the Dolphins love to blitz, right? Like they have, um, you can see here they've blitzed thirty four point one percent or thirty four point two percent of the time, the third highest uh, blitz rate of any team in the in the NFL. And good thing that the Los Angeles Chargers are the 29th ranked offense versus the Blitz. It's just it's just a perfect marriage, you know. <laughs> yeah. Um, th- you know, this goes into a multitude of factors, which I think we'll talk about on Saturday when, you know, me and Steven and Tyler make our game picks. But it just feels like everything is kind of against the Chargers in this matchup in terms of what the advantages are on the field outside of, maybe perhaps solely the quarterback position uh, yeah. in terms of Herbert and Tua. But um, yeah, the, the Chargers against the Blitz have not looked pretty this year. And, They're you know, awful. I think this gets obviously a little bit better if, you know, you don't have <laughs> Will Clapp and Brendan Hymas going against Jerry Tillery. Um, I, I think that that could look a lot better this game, assuming that Corey Lindsley is back, uh, assuming Zion Johnson is, you know, not in and out of the game as well. And he just starts from the beginning. But it, it does feel like a lot to take, right? Because you have Jamari yeah. Salier, who's probably coming off of his worst overall game as a pro um, in terms of, you know, the humbling, unfortunately, <laughs> that he took from Chandler Jones. Um, and, you know, now you're adding Bradley Chubb to either face it off against Foster Sarrell or uh, Jamari Salier. And, uh, you know, that's obviously not going to be particularly pretty. Um, I guess, you know, what are some things that the Chargers can do? Obviously, this brings, you know, Gerald Everett into the equation, you know, Max Protect, some of the things that the Chargers kind of did against the 49ers and, and other teams uh, earlier this season. What are some of the things the Chargers can try to do to sort of withstand this blitz pressure from Miami? I mean, it's pretty simple. Just get open. Um, and it's it's not that hard because the Dolphins, when blitzing, have the 29th best uh defensive efficiency they're the fourth they're the fourth worst defense when blitzing so the chargers are the fourth worst offense the dolphins are the fourth worst defense so what's the phrase that we like to use unmovable or movable object meets movable force something's got to get right a a stoppable object meets a movable force um this is kind of what this game is it literally is that so chargers can take advantage of their blitz packages this could be the first game. Like I, I'm, I'm trying not to jinx. This could be the first game. Herbert has his full arsenal of weapons: Williams, Keenan, Palmer, Parham, Everett, Eckler, Kelly, all at his disposal. So, Lindsley or not, there is a chance the Chargers can cook. Now, Keenan can't separate, or Keenan has not been able to separate this year. Mike can't separate. Palmer's okay at separating. I think he's, I think honestly, Palmer's been the best separator this year. Everett is like okay. And then Parham, like he just dunks on people, right? So I don't, I don't know. Like I don't really know what to expect going into this game. Like if Keenan can't beat Cater Kahu in the slot, like I, I'm like having serious considerations of just cutting him uh, in next offseason um, because he couldn't beat Amik Robertson. I don't like, I don't know what confidence I should have in him beating an undrafted rookie corner. So the plan is to get open because, you know, I don't know what Joel Lombardi is going to scheme open. It's going to be just stick curl routes, 
slant routes. Like some someone's got to make a move at the line and something's got to give for the Chargers to be able to complete passes versus the Blaze. I mean, that's a little unfair to Joe Lombardi. Stick, curl routes, slant routes, and also screens to Everett and Eckler. Uh, you know, yeah. the, that is the full <laughs> offensive package. Um, yeah, I mean, that that is the one thing that me and Steven, I think, talked about last podcast where, you know, you talk about having Eckler and Everett out there, and it just feels like even last year, Joe Lombardi found more interesting ways to get Austin Eckler and, you know, Jared Cook at the time last year involved in the offense that weren't just like, okay, you know, like the multitude of screens that they just, you know, threw uh, as tight end and running back screens all the game last mm-hmm. game. It felt like it was almost all of Austin Eckler's yardage, fortunately or unfortunately. And yeah, it, it does feel like, you know, some of that is obviously bracing for the offensive line to kind of implode uh, as well as which is, you know, they were just kind of going against that Raiders defensive line all game. Um, but hopefully, you know, with a, a little bit of a more stabilizing force with Corey Lindsley certainly coming in uh, and, you know, just getting getting to face a bit of a weaker unit compared to the Raiders pass rush. You know, you hope that they are able to get kind of more creative and that, you know, Keenan is able to separate a little bit more and they just get kind of get a little bit more going their way. And maybe Joe Lombardi is allowed to be a little bit more creative. Um, yeah. So uh, this is a graphic that I assume is, uh, as you can see here, evaluating the trenches in the passing game, I'm assuming very good for the Eagles here and also not very good for the Chargers. Yeah. It's your fandoms on the complete opposite sides of the graph, but it's, it's a bad graph for the Chargers. Um, you can see they're one of the worst um, pass blocking units in the league after adjusting for assignment. Like, you know, we've kind of talked about, um how like certain offenses put more stress on their offensive linemen and the chargers definitely do that you can see like they're they are one two three four five six about like a bottom six bottom seven offensive line after adjusting for assignment and then the dolphins unfortunately a top four top five pass rush unit so like the the dolphins it's it's pretty obvious the dolphins d line and defense in general is going to put a lot of stress on this chargers offensive line which is again is is why Corey Lindsley is the second most important player on this team in this game because if they're not if they're not you know set in their or no, if they're not ready in their pass protection stats so they don't have a good game plan and Herbert's under pressure within two seconds no one's going to be able to separate that quick like it's going to be a long game with Herbert living in third and longs and that's when jo- Josh Boyer is going to be able to call whatever he wants so I, I just wanted to show this graphic because it does kind of show that the Chargers uh, line is a little bit at a disadvantage in this game. You know, and I mean, a big revenge game coming in for Dolphins offensive coordinator Frank Smith uh, returning uh, to see the Chargers. Yeah, Melvin Ingram as well. Um, So, yeah, I mean, I I guess also what do we make about this Chargers defensive line, which is sort of what this craft is, you know, also talking about here um because it just feels like they do not have the requisite you know pieces right now joey Bosa has obviously been injured the whole year the interior i mean they are likely going to be without even spest joseph day this game their interior pass rush is kind of null obviously cut jerry tillery uh earlier you know this season and on the other side you know on the edges you know Khalil Mack who I mean I think for all intents and purposes has been good right but he hasn't been necessarily the player that they expected um that they were kind of adding to this team and obviously you know has has sort of had to deal with more stress on on himself considering that on the other side 
Kyle Van Noy and Chris Rumpf aren't getting anything, right? Um, in terms of pass yeah. rush productivity, I think the stat that Steven posted is that uh, Khalil Mack is 53rd in the league right now. Uh, you have Chris Rumpf at 87th and Kyle Van Noy at 111th. Um, it just feels like they, uh, until Joey Bosa gets back, don't really have the horses to compete sort of and get pressure right now. And that was a huge part of what the Niners were able to do the Dolphins last week. They racked up uh, something like 14 pressures. Nick Bosa obviously has three sacks. Um, so, you know, obviously, you know, they're not going to be able to pressure uh, the Dolphins like the Niners were. But what are some of the things that the Chargers defensive line, you know, in addition to Brandon Staley in terms of manufacturing pressure by blitzing Drew Tranquil and Derwin James and maybe yeah. on a couple plays, what can they kind of do here to get it going against this Dolphins offensive line, which, you know, is not necessarily one of the better ones in the league? Yeah, I think it does start with kind of blitzing too a little bit. Like I know it's you don't really want to blitz a team that has Tyree Kill at receiver, but you can see the Dolphins have kind of been below average versus the blitz this year, which is interesting. Um, you know, this is not my graph. First of all, like, so th- this graph and this graph, I do want to point out was made by this guy, Joseph Hefe on Twitter. So, you know, shout out to him for putting this together. Um, I would like to see what Tua's or what the dolphins like EPA versus the blitz would be with Tua versus like with Skylar and Teddy. Cause this might be skewed for a Teddy and Skylar, but right. yeah, you don't, sorry. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash Blue Wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash Blue Wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. No, that was it. I was just saying, yeah, okay. I, I, honestly, I forgot about the Skyler and Teddy thing too. So, yeah. Yeah. So, I know you don't really want to blitz to uh, with uh, Tyreek and Waddle, but. Look, your pass rush couldn't beat, you know, couldn't really do anything against the Raiders O-line. Teron Armstead's going to be back, so whoever is lining up over him, Van Noy, Tuska, who is, you didn't even mention Tuska, who I legitimately, like, don't, I I don't even know one impact play he's made in in his, like, time with the Chargers. Um, So you're not going to be able to get pressure sending four, sending five. Like, you're going to have to just play with variance you're gonna have to play with the tail ends of the distribution you're gonna give up a 60-yard touchdown but you could also make a game-changing pick six with Tua throwing up a wobbler like we, we like we know he can do and taking it to the house for six like Bryce Callahan did so you know it's you're, you're not going to be able to stop the Dolphins playing the way the Chargers normally normally play so you have to mix it up because otherwise Tua's gonna have all day in the pocket and someone's gonna get open 
because the Chargers can't develop a pass rush and their coverage unit is very leaky at times. Yeah, and I think just, you know, even talking myself through it, I'm like, oh, you know, we could blitz Derwin and we don't even know if Derwin's playing on Sunday because he just yeah. had two did not practices with the quad. Um, so, you know, that's kind of a TBD, like people are saying in the chat. Maybe Callahan plays, maybe he doesn't uh, as well in terms of getting that game changing pick six or a turnover or something uh, like he did against the Raiders as well. Um yeah, so, I mean, it just feels like they don't necessarily have the ability to manufacture pressure without blitzing so much, but this Dolphins Avenue might provide is something for them. Um, any big numbers before we sort of get uh, into maybe some final predictions here? Yeah, um, first, Chris B., I did want to answer his question, who's blitzing besides Tranquil if Derwin's hurt. Um, it doesn't matter. Um, I, I would send Kenneth Murray because I don't want Kenneth Murray in coverage at all. For one particular reason, you can see here when the Dolphins throw over the middle and in the intermediate range, they're averaging 0.714 EPA per pass, which is like the seventh or eighth highest number in the league. The Chargers defense, when teams throw over the middle in the intermediate, so 10 or 10 through 19 yards, are allowing 0.9 EPA per pass. So if you look at this number, we do you know, 0 0.714 times 62. The Dolphins have added 44 points alone, throwing the ball over the middle in the intermediate in, in the intermediate part of the field. If Derwin James and Bryce Callahan aren't playing, like I, I don't I don't even know. The middle of the field is gonna be so wide open. Kenneth Murray's gonna get just absolutely exposed in coverage. Um, you know, if he falls and he bites on the play action or RPO, it's it's an automatic first down, right? So to answer Chris B's question, send Kenneth Murray so we don't have to see him in coverage. But Kenneth Murray, as a blitzer, just runs straight into the linebacker, straight into the blocking running back or the center, gets picked up. So again, like I don't, I don't really know what to do if, if Derwin's out. I think you just play with fire, blitz a lot, just just do something other than your normal game plan because the normal game plan uh, hasn't been working. But the the big thing from this table I wanted to point out was how freaking efficient the Dolphins are throwing the ball over the middle of the field, which the Chargers have a pretty big weakness going into this week without Callahan, Derwin, and having Kenneth Murray play linebacker instead of a guy like Fred uh, Fred Warner. Yeah, um, and, and obviously there it just doesn't feel like there's much, there's many ways that the Chargers can stop this Dolphins defense, even just thinking it through. Because if you have Kenneth Murray and it's like, okay, what's the alternative playing Kenneth Murray? Uh, Troy Reader, do you want him in coverage? Uh, did you see the NFC Championship game last year? Right. Yeah, I know. So, I know. Uh, you know, there is kind of a pick your poison in terms of which guys you want out there on the defense, assuming that guys like Derwin uh, and Callahan obviously aren't, might not be able to play. Um, and blitzing, I think, is definitely a big thing too, because, hey, maybe you give up 40 points, but it's probably your only way to maybe create a pressure here pressure there or force uh, a turnover like we've kind of talked about um I, I guess what is the dolphins running game kind of like and maybe this doesn't matter because the chargers just do not have the requisite options to to stop the dolphins passing game right now or at least it doesn't feel mm -hmm. like they do but obviously uh they have raheem mostert there it's san francisco reinvigorated because they then go and trade for jeff wilson at the deadline 
Um, and mm-hmm. Mike McDaniel has his, you know, requisite uh, Niners running style there, if you want to put it that way. Obviously, he's throwing a lot more and has been a lot more aggressive on early downs and throwing on fourth down and doing all those things. Um, yeah. But curious to see sort of, you know, not that the Chargers necessarily need a big name at running back to give them trouble because they'll allow 500 <laughs> yards to James Conner some weeks. But uh, I guess which running back, if you had to pick, and obviously it kind of looks like Jeff Wilson based on this chart, uh, is yeah. capable of giving the Chargers the most problems. Yeah, it's definitely Jeff Wilson. He's been the best running back of him and Mostert this year. Um, don't, you know, Mostert, I think, poses a bigger threat to the Chargers because the Chargers struggle with speed and they struggle with bringing guys down and Mostert has the most juice out of him and Wilson. But Wilson's the more efficient running back. You can see per his EPA per rush. He ranks higher in like rushing yards over expected. And the thing with the Dolphins run game is you can see here, they are like pathetically bad running the ball between the, the guard gap. So between Connor Williams and whoever is playing guard for them, I believe it's like Robert Hunt. You can see they average like a really bad EPA per rush running the ball inside. But when you when they run the ball outside, like the padded in Shanahan, patented Shanahan outside zone. When they're running left behind Toronto Armstead, they've been you know pretty efficient, averaging close to 0.05 BPA per rush. They don't do that well running right, like running at in either in any gap, but you know, they don't really have Toronto Armstead on the right side. So when they do run left to Toronto Armstead side, they do pretty well. And looking at how the Chargers do, like if this is just like so sad, how like they're positive, they have a lot of positive EPA per rush in five out of the six run gaps. And, you know, when teams run left outside the tackles, that's their second worst run defense gap. So, you know, it's it's just like not a great matchup any way you put it for the Chargers defense. And if Derwin and Callahan aren't playing, I mean, I don't I don't even know what the run defense is going to look like. And Joseph Day. Yeah. I, yeah. I think a lot of people are like, oh, Toronto Arms is out for the Dolphins. I'm like, um, do, do you see Kyle Van Noy over there uh, on this on this graph? Like it doesn't yeah. it doesn't really matter if Kyle, I mean, uh, if Toronto said like he is out for them, unless Joey Bosa, you know, magically revives his groin in the next 48 hours uh, because, you know, they just don't. And this kind of goes back to what we we're talking about. Like they just don't have the pieces out there to create that pass rush without manufacturing some pressure some other ways. Um, but yeah, I, I definitely think you look at Mostert. I think you look at uh, Jeff Wilson as just guys that can give them trouble, particularly Jeff Wilson with his contributions more so to the receiving game. But Mostert is always one big play away um, from potentially ruining the defense. And with the Chargers issues tackling, um, you know, he's obviously going to be a guy that should scare Chargers fans a little bit going into this game. Um, Arjun. I think I know where this is going, but give me your game pick. Give me a score. Yeah, I I would love, you know, for the Chargers to come out and just beat the Dolphins. It would help the the Herbert narratives. It would it would shut Acho or Aiko up. I don't even care how I say his last name. Like, I just I just want the Chargers to look competitive, even if they lose. That's fine. I want Herbert to play well, but. I just like I don't know anymore with this team. They, they they were they should have lost by 14 to the Raiders. Like they just aren't a good team right now. They have a worse point, they have a worse point differential than the Panthers and the Falcons. Like they're just not a good team. The Dolphins are a good team. They're one of the, you know, a tier three team, possibly tier two team this year. So, you know, I, I am predicting a Dolphins win. Um, I would say something along the lines of like 33 to 20. 
I think are 35 to 20. I don't really see how the defense gets any stops if if Derwin, Callahan, and SJD are out. Even if just two or one of them are out, it doesn't really matter. The Chargers defense at full strength have hasn't been able to stop anyone for weeks. So it's probably going to be a you know a tough game to watch. Um, but again, I'd be really happy if the Chargers proved me wrong. But I just don't foresee it happening right now. Yeah, uh, I mean, I don't, I don't foresee that happening either. We'll get into exactly what means Stephen and Tyler's picks are on the Saturday show uh, when we do the Q and A. Uh, um, but yeah, it doesn't feel like the Chargers have the weapons in the tank. And then you, you know, talk about the losses from last game in terms of SJD now being hurt, and now we're talking about potentially Derwin James and Callahan not playing. Obviously, we'll see a lot. Uh, cleared up tomorrow based on you know who's a DNP again on Friday or who's a limited participant in practice. Um, so I think that will clear up that whole, whole situation. But hopefully, when Callahan are able to play, otherwise, it just feels like the Chargers are you know the odds of winning this game get even lower. Um, all right, now we get to Arjun's favorite part part of the show. Uh, Arjun, and of course, I'm just going to mention it. Of course, we're going Eagles first half. <laughs> Are uh, we? They, the Giants, kind of, but uh, they, tell me some of your other bets. Slipped, this yeah. Eagles, Eagles first half has kind of slipped. They, they, I mean, look, they, they've, slipped, they've slipped up a little bit. But, uh, you know, look, the Colts game, that was a little bit of a loss uh, in terms of that. But overall, you know, Washington. But, you know, I, I think that they they're back after last week. Mm-hmm. temporarily um so we'll see if they're able yeah. to uh put up points quickly on table in the giants but any other big bets that you got yeah so um i'll give out so for the thursday night game so in 40 minutes i like a uh, Derek carr over one and a half passing touchdowns against a rams defense that allowed geno smith to throw for uh i believe like 330 and three touchdowns so i like dc over one and a half in terms of games uh, this weekend, I lo- uh, I do like the Lions. So Lions minus one and a half, or you can just take their money line. And then um, if your book offers a six-point teaser, I would tease the um, Eagles down from minus seven to minus one. And then I would tease that with um, I would tease that with the Cincinnati Bengals down from minus five and a half to like a pick them basically. It's not like the most EV strategy, but I. I don't really know. I don't, I don't. I'm pretty high on the Bengals right now, so I don't really see the Browns stopping them. And things to look for, um, player prop wise. Um, uh, actually, yeah, I, I already gave out my player prop, which is Derek Carver, one and a half passing touchdowns. So those are my favorite picks for this weekend. Um, if you need anything, if you want any more, you can just DM me on Twitter, and I can send you some of the plays I like. But that's all I have. Yeah, you have any uh, Baker Mayfield gambling advice? Uh, do you... <laughs> is he, has he been, is he starting? Uh, I mean, this, he was warming up on the field. It, it sounds like he's starting if uh, if Wolford can't go with the neck thing. Um, so, yeah, it, it looks like Baker off of one and a half days of being a Los Angeles Ram is probably going to start this game. Uh, I haven't seen any updates in a couple hours, though, obviously, since we've been recording the show. Um, but yeah, uh, I, I don't know if there's any lines out on, but if you are seeing betting on them, I suggest that you get help. 
Um, <laughs> I think uh, subs up betting on Baker Mayfield this season. Um, but Arjun, uh, great having you on the show today as we wrap up things. Any final thoughts as the Chargers are heading into this game against the Dolphins? Don't let the uh, don't let the outcome of this game kind of sway uh, the overall consensus opinion of Herbert versus Tua. Football is a team game, win loss record. Herbert will probably be 0-2 versus 2 in his career now, but he's also 1-0 versus Joe Burrow. So <laughs> if you want, if people want to talk about that, talk trash about Herbert, we know how good he is. We know that other quarterbacks are struggling in the system. Don't, you know, it's, it's all good. And eventually, you know, the truth gets brought to light. So it's, it's going to be a fun game. It's going to be a lot of trash talk, but we'll all pull through. And at the end of the day, it's just football. We're not even playing in it, right? We just like to have fun and watch. <laughs> at the end of the day we're not playing in it that's where the chargers are in their season right now um but again thanks Archer, for joining us we'll see you guys on the saturday show spring is in the air at littleton coin company and we want to help you brighten your collection visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15 percent off your purchase with a wide selection of coins paper money supplies and more Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945.